Welcome, Pathfinders, to the Find the Path podcast, actual play of the Mummy's Mask Adventure Path. Now in book, book four. Book four. Secrets of the Sphinx. It's all downhill from here. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> that sounds ominous. Downhill's easier, right? You're over the hump. I mean, downhill is supposed to be easier, but not if there's like a horrible creature at the bottom. It's like downhill, but there's a boulder after you. No, I don't want to be Indiana in this scenario. You just got to move. Most of the time I want to be Indiana, but not with the boulder. Fair. You just got to move to the side. Don't follow the Prometheus school of running away from things. Well, I mean, Indiana didn't have an option because it was a tunnel. Mm-hmm. True. This is a hill. But you said hill. That's true. Regardless. Yeah. We have finished up book three. We are in book four now with our heroes. When last we left our heroes. Hollis was having a breakdown. That's true. <laughs> the party had finished their research in the tomb of Chisisek after having found a couple episodes before that, that the architect had been stolen away by the cult and taken someplace. It's so rude. You believe mm-hmm. into the shadow of the sightless Sphinx. Our princess was in another castle. Yes, your Again. mummy was in another pyramid. The party had then uh, decided to to leave, had said goodbye to Tedesura. She had been cryptic, as always. She told a really the, weird story. Told yep. a really weird story about a woman, and then she died, and then there was a jackal and ate her heart, this whole thing. Apparently we have Hollis's another brain. horrible evil pharaoh to deal with. It's quite possible. There's so many of them. Oh, yeah, and then this party found out about Narlathotep, and Masika's like, no, one evil pharaoh at a time. <laughs> the crawling chaos himself. The party then set off, made their way to the Merchant's Oasis, met back up with some of their old friends and compatriots there to, uh, I believe, rest, purchase new gear. Yep. Having uh, reached this place that has a uh, thriving economy and various spellcasters capable of enchanting and enhancing your gear and creating magic items for the right price. And it turns out that Chisisek was uh, was rich and also <laughs> didn't care about being rich. He was one of those people that got paid a really good salary but ate nothing but ramen noodles. <laughs> Just because he, he loved ramen noodles, if he ate. And then checked his bank account every once in a while. I was like, where did this $10,000 come from? I wish oh. I could just open up my bank yeah. account and say, wow, yeah. where that $10,000 came from? Nice. Wouldn't that be nice? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Living the dream, nice. just a sec. To and not fair. worry about where it came from, because let's be honest, if $10,000 showed up in my account, I'd be like, oh, God, what drug lord is using me to bezel money? <laughs> <laughs> and will they miss this? Um, <laughs> I was like, they must have put a number in the wrong spot. That's why it ended up in my account. <laughs> but as uh, I believe we left off with a party having a whole you know, celebration thing at the end of their their journey here. Now back at the uh, the Merchant's Oasis, back in the company of Falto and friends. So uh, All right, I believe. Y'all. I've been thinking and I think I cracked it. Are we going back to this? No. Lamashtun looked upon the girl and kind of pitied her, right? And ate her heart. How is that an act of pity? Well, it's an act of pity because maybe that girl was evil, probably was evil. So eating the heart means that the heart couldn't be judged with the feather and the weighing and whatnot with Anubis and so forth. And therefore saved the girl from an afterlife of eternal work or whatever it is. Therefore, it was pity, but also it was selfish, which is why it wasn't true pity. What do you think about that? Why are we still talking about this? You're not curious? Wait, I wait, mean, Mashika, it, it makes perfect sense. Oh, Lord. 
Maybe there was a second a second jackal there, or or a knoll hidden somewhere nearby, like a grassy it, knoll. It, I, mean, <laughs> I knew you were going there. <laughs> I, there was no knoll in that Same. story. I think you might be reading a little bit too much into it. Yeah, exactly. I think you may be breaking the fourth wall. I think maybe Tedesura told us an allegorical story, and you're trying way too hard to figure it out. Nope, that's not how riddles work. You got to figure them out and then you learn the new riddle and then you got an inside joke forever. Y'all don't know nothing about Nethus, do you? I'm sure it's going to be of import at some point, but at the moment, I think we should focus on other things. All that craziness aside, uh, you all rest up for the evening after returning back to the Merchant's Oasis recoup. I believe the plan had been to go and speak with the elders, correct? Yes. Elders of the Beckon? Yeah, after we caught up with everybody, then we were planning on going to talk to them. Well, yeah, you guys had a whole evening. I think I explained everyone doing the crazy stuff. That was Hollis over there, you know, with Narmer sitting on the edge of a log near the fireplace, staring in rapt attention. Until Masika took him and was like, no, no, you don't need no. conspiracy theories. <laughs> I feel like I'm right on the edge of figuring this out. I'm going to crack the whole case. Hollis is actually trying to talk to her fellow Nethians. <laughs> There's no case. I just need some. Send me back in, chief. Look what you've done to Narmer, Hollis. <laughs> Intellect is its own reward. <laughs> I know she's so smart. I just want to rub her head. And wisdom is knowing when to give up and maybe take a break. Eh, wisdom. What is your wisdom score? (laughs) What is your wisdom, Hollis? Ten. Of course. Uh, My charisma is higher than my wisdom. (laughs) Somehow I'm not surprised by this. Masika's going to sit over here with her 24 and be sad. (laughs) All of you rest up for the evening. I imagine waking, waking early the next morning. Masika in her own tent with her husband... Citra and Falto sharing a tent? Probably. Much to her parents' not knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> She's an adult. Hollis <laughs> is back in the wagon. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure her birthday is coming up in game. Yeah, so uh, Citra's birthday is on the 23rd of Erastus. We'll have to remember that. Are they still called birthdays in Galarian, or is it more of like a name day thing, like Game of Thrones? The day or? of your birth. I believe, I believe it's birthday. Okay. You all awaken the next morning, make your way through the camp. For Masika, this site isn't uncommon as far as seeing a gathering of the tribes and such here, but it is still just impressive when you see this many people gathered in one place. The Merchant's Oasis is one of the largest oases. Oasis? Oases? Oases? But one of the largest oases south of the Golden Oasis. And as such, it's one of the few places that can support a gathering this large. Currently, you'd estimate that there are probably maybe five, 6,000 people here and easily five times as many camels. The smell is amazing. They make sure they put them downwind. You that's know that. true. Uh, beyond the, the camps here, the desert, the desert tribesmen and women. There are also the desert giants, which are here as well, as well as some of the other denizens of the deserts that you've heard of, uh, as well as a variety of people from further afield. You can see numerous dwarven craftsmen here. Anhot seems to be quite interested in going to speak with them. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. I was like, did Anhot recognize, well, not recognize anybody, but like, <laughs> like name-wise, like, did he hear like a familiar name? Well, right right anything? now he's accompanying you to go and speak to the sages, but uh, oh, okay. he's definitely made a note to go over there and speak to them. Maybe he as can well find as, his long-lost family? 
Yeah, as well as oh. traders from further afield. There are a small number of gnolls here as well, uh, although many people give them somewhat a wide berth. But these are the, you know, again, they're not an entire species of slavers. There are just gnoll merchants. Hollis makes a mental note to go talk to some people <laughs> about this story. Really? Okay. Really, you're going to go talk hey, to the... when I crack this, you will be grateful. Stop giving me so much crap. <laughs> Citra's just waiting for her, you to crack it because it did not make any sense to her. I'm, I'm, I'm more than happy to let the high intellect person figure it out because Sudi's got the wisdom to know he doesn't know what it is. What it is. You got to build that mental palace, Sudi. Masika's <laughs> like, it's a st- allegorical story. It'll make sense when it makes sense. When you know <laughs> the allegory, then you can make the extrapolations. <laughs> she thinks that she can figure it out and be able to predict what we're going to face. Eh. Yeah, that, that's not. If she figures it out, maybe she'll know everything. That, not how... Oh my god. <laughs> Maybe this is a secret that Nettish had to find out and then it like blew his mind and became a god. Ooh, yes. That's possible. Exactly. This also drove him in change. So it might story. do one of these two. <laughs> you know. Either enchanting or godhood. But wouldn't that mean then we were friends with a god? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't really see a downside to that. Yeah. I mean, it worked out great for a lot of people like Arashni. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> Galarian lore. Anywho. <laughs> yeah. You make your way through before eventually reaching and uh, I suppose entering into the tent of the elders. You get a little elder music going here. You say elder music and it just makes me think of like creepy Cthulhu music. Just a lot of 1920s jazz. <laughs> I mean. Because elder music. I, I old. guess. Old. I was thinking like Johnny Cash, but you know. I was going to say like I went 50s, older than maybe? Johnny Cash. I went all the way to the 20s. The other 20s. The previous <laughs> 20s. A hundred years ago. Yes. Or John Denver, you know. <laughs> These are not old enough. Tchaikovsky. Okay, fine. <laughs> the Four Seasons? I don't know. The The tent flap opens. You make your way into the cooler interior. Even this early in the morning, the heat of the day is starting to pick up. And as you make your way in, you find that a small brazier is burning. The room is filled with the the smell of roasting almonds, which seems to be the breakfast for the morning. As you enter, you can see that uh, Kaat is already here in the process of preparing the, uh, the breakfast. Her dark eyes look up towards all of you and her face beams, hopping up to her feet, rushing over, giving Masika a necessary tight hug. I see that you've returned in one piece. Well, I mean, for now. And? No. I see. We gotta keep going north. We do have a lead on the location, though. The second woman, the taller woman, the form of uh, Mera's shadow darkens the nearby, opening into one of the other smaller attached tents that serves as their bedrooms. The woman looks over all of you, so the cult is not dealt with. Well, most it seems like there's one group left and they've gone to the north um you ever heard of a sightless sphinx i can tell you a story if that would help no they don't need the story (laughs) cod shakes her head but maris countenance darkens what business do you have in that accursed place well that's apparently where they're going we killed this the this guy named Kabek, who apparently was the one behind most of the cult's movements down in the cities. We got revenge for a whole bunch of people. Yeah, we did. We freed Tedesara. And then Tedesara is safe. But the cultists took the body of Chisisek, who was an architect, 
and that's that his site his his grave is what Tedesur has been guarding way out there all this time. Anyway, um, yeah, so Alamia took Chisisek's body and a small group of cultists. Oh, and they have the baby uh, Thriera queen too. The bee baby. <laughs> I think it's So, yeah, we, that, and that's where they're headed. The two elders nod. The young woman and the older. And this this Kabek was was very good at enchanting people, so maybe she's with them. Hollis looks over at Sudi like, "Hey, you remember that time we were told to like maybe be aware that we might have to kill this lady that uh, Masika really likes?" <laughs> Ka nods. Mara looks over. Nima's mind is strong. If any could resist, she could. Well, that's good to hear. I know this place of which you speak. Sit. She gestures we with a do. hand. Uh, as you do so, Kot retrieves the, the roasting almonds and pours some out for all the rest of you and serves some date wine for everyone. Have you ever seen it in person? Because I have a real good trick that could cut down our travel time. Masika <laughs> uh, flops down. Hollis there are it. many places that are dangerous in this desert. Yeah. So far, every bit of it has been. And our people know where to avoid. We do not pass near this place. But have you ever been there at all? No. We spoke Mm. before of our divinations searching for a missing sister. I have spoken to the spirits, and I know something about this place. What do you know? She folds her legs under her, settles in. Six generations back, in the time of my mentor's mentor's mentor, warriors came to us. Warriors of the sun, although not the sun that we worship. Cultists of the dawn flower. They were out of place here, wearing armor, not suited for the desert. They had received a vision of a great evil slumbering within the deserts to the north. They asked for our aid in pursuing it. They marched into the desert and never returned. Aragorn after Narlathotep. You didn't aid them or they went or you sent help with them and nobody returned? The elders at that time knew of this sightless sphinx. We only generally know where it is. They directed them to their destination. They believed that they were cultists, creatures, living and dead within it, serving foul powers. Narlathotep? Cut cocks her head in curiosity, but Mara glances sharply towards you. You do not speak that name in this desert. Okay. I do not know if it was the crawling chaos, but it does not bode well to mention its name, lest you draw its attention. Well, we have enough problems. Let's not draw its attention. It's like cold breeze creeps up your backs. Paul's like, thank God, it's so hot. (laughs) (laughs) Thought you were the smart one of the party. You should know what that means. I have fire resist. She's not that hot. It feels like a clammy hand caressing the small of your back. Well, that's gross. Yeah. That's what I was breeze, going for. Good. <laughs> I do not know much more pertaining towards these people or what they were seeking. The elders at the time believed that though these Serenites, these strangers, died, they were victorious. Didn't Teddy Sarah's story have something about that, about how like the flames came and mm-hmm. destroyed everything and now there was a light in the darkness? I wanted to tell the story and you told me nah. 
Well, now <laughs> it's now it's that. relevant. <laughs> Hollis has just a look of absolute like. I am so done. <laughs> Hollis, why don't you Narmer. tell them? Nar- no, the no, story. no, Narmer. Narmer, tell the story. Narmer's going to tell the story wrong. You know this, right? <laughs> Narmer suddenly looks up where he has like this bowl of almonds and he's just been watching back and forth between everyone, like eating, like the equivalent of eating popcorn with this almond bowl. <laughs> I'm sorry, I was enjoying the show. I wasn't actually eating, I was just scooping them towards my mouth and pretending. Sometimes I like to be involved. <laughs> Can I feed the chicken? <laughs> what? Sugar, sugar, do you want an almond? Can you eat almond sugar? I mean, almond sugar eats anything, so I will let her determine if she wants an almond. She daintily takes one. Okay. So who's Tell- telling the story? You're telling the story. Okay. Why are we having Narmer tell the story? Hollis is very annoying. <laughs> I have so many concerns about Narmer telling the story. So there's a woman, and then her heart was eaten by a jackal, and then yep, the jackal spit up uh, another I, I, sphinx. Narmer, Narmer. I think there was a scorpion. He uh, might have been a scorpion Hollis king. is vacant. Her <laughs> eyes are just glazed over. Narmer. Yeah. Um, maybe you should stick with the almonds for the moment. That's fine. Oh. Their nutritional value is actually actually rather high. Hollis, you are always I, so mean to Narmer. She pats him gently on the head. This is, I think, more important. I'm going to add almond juice to the scent thing for my acid. Okay. Hollis, she, like, shakes you since you went vacant. Mm? I think it might be best if you recount the story. Long ago, there was a girl who came from nowhere and was adopted by a family. She met an evil guy. I don't remember the description specifically, but... The dark man. Yeah, the dark man. That's right. And then she died. A jackal with three eyes, I think Lamash too, came and found her and took pity that was not pity because Lamash too can't feel pity. Slash this jackal couldn't feel pity. So she ate the girl's heart. Then she gave birth to sisters, one of which was like a lioness type lady, and one of which was a scorpion type lady. And they fought a bunch. And then they ended up in this location. I think uh, it was like with the, the pillars of the sun was involved. And then the sun came down. I kind of lose the thread at this point because it's been like a whole week since I had to know what the story was. <laughs> but... Uh, and then she was there forever. I don't really know how it ends. I don't know how it ends. The three-headed <laughs> jackal gave birth to the mother of scorpions and the faceless sphinx. And the scorpion drew drove the sphinx out into the blood cliffs where she plotted her revenge. I just want to say that Heather is giving me so much crap right now. But I don't take the notes or the timeline. And I remember that... From two weeks ago. <laughs> I'll give you a B plus on the recollection. How I about, remember the first part uh, a lot. because I You actually did a really good it. job on the first part. I'd, g- I'd give you a plus two circumstance bonus. That's decent. While she was hey. plotting her revenge, thus she gathered followers, but then the sun came, which probably is the Serenrayites, and destroyed Serenites. her statue and her cultists, and now there's a light in the darkness. But the faceless sphinx lady is still waiting to get revenge against her scorpion sister. Yeah. Also, didn't we make a knowledge check to realize that these were like some like demon lords or something? They're Mm -hmm. actually demon Mm -hmm. princes. So, yeah, yeah, princes lords, something like that. Mm -hmm. I see. And what does that have to do with our current situation? See, I don't know, but Teddy Sura told us a story, and now when we asked you you about the face. With the sphinx? 
Yeah, a few times, yeah. actually. I mean, yeah. Of course. Also, um, she certainly said that where we were going, this would be a story that helped us understand what we were to face. That's why it's relevant. And now you uh, now you said that the cultists of Serenre came through here and then went north to this faceless sphinx and never came back, which kind of implies mm-hmm. that they're the ones mentioned in the story. I mean, I don't think we're literally going to go fight a demon prince. Oh, no. But I just think it's saying that there's well. dangerous things at this sightless sphinx place. Although, to be honest, fighting a demon prince wouldn't be the weirdest thing to expect, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, it would. Um, we are <laughs> oh, sweet summer already <laughs> facing... There's been a lot of weird things in the last year. Or last, what, six months? Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, is there any way you could give us general directions to the location of the Sightless Sphinx? Mm-hmm. We only know that it is further north of here. Nothing more direct? Mary glances over towards Cot. Cot nods. We only know that it's beyond the headwaters of the, of the Scarab River, which can be found north and west of here. So, it's further north past that. If you're going out into the desert and you're looking for any ancient monument, I would look for the Moftet. A whole pride of them lives out in the desert north of here. Uh, why does that sound familiar, Moftet? They're the little sphinx people that walk around on two legs. Or like, yeah, yeah. They have like they have cat have... bottoms and human and... torsos, but with wings. Yeah. So cute. Are they little? They're medium size. No, they're medium size. Uh, okay. They came up back in Tefu when we found the lion prince on the roof. Ah, okay, okay. I think you made a knowledge check then, but anyone that wishes to, you guys have leveled up since then, can make me a knowledge local if you so wish. Oh. How about lore sphinx? Unfortunately, they are not sphinxes. Ah, sad. Six for a 21. I rolled a nat one for a 12. Sugar rolls an eight for a 21. So Sugar starts clucking before Citra, I suppose, states the general information. And then Sugar's like, wait, does she understand me? No, I just knew it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The very long story short of the uh, Moftet is that they are a generally mysterious race of uh, creatures native to the desert and believed to be somehow related to sphinxes, although they are not sphinxes themselves. So like kobolds and dragons? Yeah. Uh, they're commonly believed to be an offshoot of sphinxes or Lamia, depending on who you ask. Although Moftets are renowned for the hatred of Lamia and will kill any that they come across. Oh, uh, Moftets' preferred know. habitat is abandoned ruins, as they seem to be spiritually drawn to such desolate places. They prefer to dwell in primarily mountains or desert. They notably live in small prides, usually of 10 or fewer members. And uh, they claim a set of ruins as their own and tend to protect these ruins from any that would come along or disturb them. They prefer ruins with a religious history to them. Hmm. Although they don't necessarily tend to venerate the deity in question uh, of the place, although they mostly follow their own ancient forgotten god. If it helps, they are as, uh, they're basically as, you know, morally diverse as humans. Oh, okay. So they might actually help us. Yeah, from what you understand, they tend to come into conflict with adventurers, mostly because adventurers tend to try to plumb the ruins that they are protecting. But if individuals are respectful of the ruins and the places that they protect, they can sometimes act as guides and such. They are known to sometimes engage in uh, sphinx-like behaviors, which includes cryptic speech or riddles. Oh, great. More of that. (laughs) You didn't think we were done with that yet, were you? No, I didn't, but... 
It would have been nice if they were not Sphinx-like in that way. Uh, other so than that, they're slowly, just... Slowly, Sudi's love for Sphinxes is just going down. Oh, no. Sudi <laughs> loves Sphinxes. Jordan doesn't like Sphinxes because Jordan's not smart enough for riddles. Oh. Uh, other than that, uh, much like the desert giants, they uh, usually practice from a very young age with the use of scimitar, particularly two-weapon fighting with the weapons. They're also known to possess uh, runic tattoos that grant them magical powers. Cool. cool. Ooh, let's all get tattoos. From the Moff Tets. Masika has plenty, has tattoos. Not everybody has tattoos. Tattoos wouldn't show up on Sudi because he's all fur. These are kitty people. Maybe they have a special kitty tattoo. Maybe. maybe It's just dye your fur. fur. (laughs) (laughs) But it's magical dye that just like always stays there. You never have to reapply. Uh, They just, they they mix their, uh, like the bleach that they use for the hair with uh, Dungeons of Timelessness. (laughs) 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 So it just never wears away. I suddenly have an idea for a hairdresser. Right? right? That's pretty cool. If you're like a really high-end hairdresser. Like an awesome alchemist that's like, like, what do you do? Oh, I make like hair dye that lasts forever. But cut nods. I don't know exactly where their pride is located, but we would see and trade with them at times. If you can find them, they could probably be of great service to you. They might help Falto find that Black Fane thing, too. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mira glances into the fire. Seems to almost throw her mind back for a bit as if she's searching for something. When our ancestors sent the Serenites out into the desert, they mentioned a abandoned temple to the goddess that was built during the Interregum. It still stands in the desert, west from here, somewhat north. They may have left clues there as to where they're going. Hmm. Yeah, in an elemental who wants Sudi dead. Nope, that's a different place. Nope, different place. <laughs> and it's a, a genie Serenite. that wants Sudi dead. Serenite Temple. Oh, yeah. Seren Ray, not, um, I just wanted to say Sobek, but it's not Sobek. Uh, Sekhmet. Sekhmet. Yeah, Sekhmet. Once again, one of those S names. <laughs> so many S names in this adventure path. Kyle looks over all of you. It sounds like you'll have a, a great deal of traveling to do. <sighs> Indeed. You should Yay. prepare yourself, though. If you've dealt with the cult, then you may be approaching the head of the serpent. You should be careful. We pretty much uh, try to be that all the time. You should prepare yourself, though. Any advice? If you are in need of any enchanting or anything like that, I could probably help with it. Outside of that, no, not really any advice. Very pointy sticks. Shopping montage. <laughs> as as all of us take, like, the piles of gold that Sudi got the night before and take off all of our stuff and say, make it better. <laughs> yep, the little pop-up appears in front of all of you and just says, you know, after this point, you won't be able to go back. Do you wish to continue? <laughs> <laughs> that part of any open-world game that's like, by the way, after this, you're totally bone. <laughs> mm-hmm. Make that's sure you, you know finish the all of your side quests. Be like, you can't go back, but sometimes it's just like it ends, and then it's like, and now I can keep adventuring. Mm. Although, I mean, Hollis Moore takes this giant sack of gold and returns with like a small notebook of magical paper. Scrolls. Okay. It's not as impressive. We know what you're going to be doing with your with your downtime. Uh, yeah. But I suppose all of you step out of the tent. The blinding light of day. Transition sirenscape. I don't know how Ben Looms gets us to transition so quickly. Years Maybe because he made it. <laughs> sure. All right. Well, I need to buy some supplies to make some new armor. I mean, I think we're all going to have plenty to do. Did you see how big those bags of gold were I mm. plopped down? We should spend as much of it as we can to equip ourselves for whatever it is we're going into. Anhawk turns, looks over all of you. 
inclines his head. I've done what I can to help you so far, but I believe our paths diverge here. There should be some dwarves around here. Maybe they can help you. Hopefully they look like my people. They may know whether or not any of my, my family, my descendants still survive. And if not, I have much to catch up on. Well, if you ever need anything, um, I'm not sure how you'll find us, but if you ever do find us again, we are more than well willing to help. Um, I, I can't go back to Tefu, so I can't go there. Mm. Uh, but, you know, find a sending spell or something, and you can contact us. Oh. And thank you for all your help, and good luck. Me nods, reaches down to his wrists, unclasps a bracelet from one arm, extends it out towards Hollis. Hollis takes it. It's only a small token. I hope that it will bring you luck in the time to come. I shall treasure it forever. Maybe I'll be able to make my way south. Perhaps meet with these friends of yours and their explosive firearms. Hey, if I live through whatever it is we're about to get ourselves into, maybe I'll come escort you down myself. It seems like you have a challenging road ahead of you. A road's a road. But your path extends beyond my knowledge, and I'll be of no further help to you. I wish you peace in the road ahead. You as well. Good luck. May you walk in the shadow of Anubis, and may he guide you safely through the lands of the dead. May today and many days ahead not be your day unhacked. When death comes, may you embrace it. He steps back, bows at the waist, turns and makes his way. Hollis, the bracelet is a simple copper bracelet. To be perfectly honest, he wore it as a bracelet. You probably wear it as like kind of an armlet because your arms are a lot thinner than his thick dwarven wrists. But cool. you can kind of slide it. it up and clamp it over your uh, your bicep. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, it's a simple thing covered with a few uh, or covered with a simple prayer to Anubis. Cool. I sure hope he finds his family. Did Falto say what happened to that other girl? Oh. I mean, we didn't even ask. I mean, we could ask. And as for him, he'll be fine. Dwarves remember their history for a long, long time. I hope so. All right. Well, I suppose we should get shopping. Um, Woohoo! I need to make some new armor. This this breastplate's not working with the things that we're doing. So it might take me a little while to get something up to snuff before we go out. So don't worry if you guys need some time to. I mean, how long are you talking about? Do we have the we, time? I, I don't know. Two, three weeks? Masika shrugs. If you need the time, I don't know if that we're going to have an option to do anything else. Well, if we can find the moth tats, maybe we can make a shortcut happen on the journey. Maybe. But I guess we'll take the time to rest and recuperate and spend a princely sum of gold. Mm. He, like jingles this giant sack of gold. You probably shouldn't make it obvious that you have that much gold. We may not be in a city, but that doesn't mean there aren't thieves. I like that Sudi was paranoid the entire time you were in Tefu, and now he's like, oh, I'm out here with these trustworthy people. <laughs> it's more that Sudi is now confident enough to be like, if anybody tries to steal from me, I will end them. <laughs> I will stunning fist them because I will dead. stun them and bring them to the proper authorities. For... Which apparently is duel to the death. At this point, most of these people, Sudi could win in a duel to the death, so. Anyway, shopping montage. Yeah, shopping. So, yeah, I suppose over the next... Uh, I think you guys told me this off air. You're spending 18 days? 16. 16, 16 days. And then once we're on the road, Masika will need another 20 days to put the last of the magical enchantments on her armor. So quit going around here. Masuda, you can take all the 
all the material that you found so far, head out, uh, sell everything. I imagine Citra probably gives you a hand with going through all that since uh, Masika apparently goes to Ye Olden Magic Supply Shop and uh, buys a whole bunch of stuff to then pour over a set of armor nonstop for the next three weeks. It's just <laughs> like a fun little project. And then she spends the rest of her time with her family. I mean, she'd stop by and see the party, you know, too, but... Yeah. You, but yeah, you spend eight hours a day crafting. So yep. um, you're kind of like it's away. your job. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a day job, like an actual job. Yeah, Except Sudi, you don't get weekends. You can, yeah, Sudi, you can go around, uh, spend some time buying, selling stuff. Uh, there are a small number of catfolk here uh, that seem Ooh. to be travelers, merchants and such. Some of them mention coming from an oasis further to the north, although they're a little cagey about giving details, particularly to an outsider. But you do get a chance to chat stone up with a few help. of them. And the cat. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it was more the if they're from the uh, uh, children of Sekhmet, then maybe they would recognize Naya Ra. Maybe. Not that it hasn't been like, you know, a million years since they were all wiped out. 18? Yep. Exactly my age years. Citra, I imagine you spend some time with Falto. Yep. I imagine you spend quite a bit of time with Falto. Uh, yeah. Falto himself still doing research, talking to people, generally gathering information. He seems eager to get on the way but doesn't plan on setting out until you guys do, although it doesn't sound like you are all heading in the same direction. So it may feasibly be that his caravan's heading north and your caravan or your group's heading out deeper into the desert. I thought we were heading north too. Well, you're both heading into the northern expanse of the desert, but C seems to be heading in the direction of the Pillars of the Sun. Whereas if you're going to pursue this Serenite Temple or whatever direction you're planning on taking, you're going to have to head out into the open desert. Okay. So bouncing back and forth out here. But yeah, you get to spend, you know, fun-filled days chatting up with him and, you know, evenings with him, you teaching him local customs and dance and him teaching you, you know, ballroom dance, which is what he knows. <laughs> um, it's part of his Pathfinder 202 training. A proper waltz. It's the etiquette course. You always start with the forks and spoons and stuff from the outside and work your way in. Um, <laughs> when sent to Taldor, remember these. This time gives a lot of time for Hollis to pursue her own research into her, uh, into these scrolls that she's been kind of doing her best to read between stops and goes and working on and all the rest of that over the course of this, uh, pretty much the entirety of your time out in the desert so far, because you got that from the other oasis uh, the first time you spoke mm-hmm. to Kot there and had your conversation with Sudi's grandfather. And of course, this is also when all of you guys are buying and selling gear. Uh, I'm not going to go into detail on all of your gear, but hey, everybody just give a shout out of uh, one cool magic item that you've gotten. Slotless Golem Bane Scarab. There you go. Uh, now you can do more than one point of damage. Yeah. <laughs> Wreath of Blades scroll. I just bought scrolls mostly. So a whole bunch of new scrolls. Hollis probably has a second spell book to go with her first. I already bought a second one in Tefu, so I have two spell books. Oh, okay. That's right. You got one of those cool spell books that does like, mm-hmm. um, I think you got the one that's really hard to damage. Yeah, yeah. I bought a corset of the Vishkanya. It lets me uh, fit through tight spaces as affected by the squeeze spell for 10 rounds per day. And when the magic is active, it gets me a plus five on my escape artist checks. Nice. It's quite slimming. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, I updated stuff, but uh, I did get a glove of storing. Oh, nice. Ooh, nice. Oh, I was like, get those dang weapon chain thingies. Oh, you should get weapon cords. But the glove of storing, I think, already does that, so. Well, it kind of helps with that. The, the problem with the weapon cords is the penalty that you take the moment you drop the weapon. Like if you're trying to use Fair. a bow or whatever, it's like minus two. All of you make yourself comfortable. Eventually, Hasim arrives having 
taking care of his fallen compatriots, rejoining his tribe, comes, finds all of you, sits around the fire. It's that fun thing, you know, cold desert nights here next to the river, all of you sitting around a fire in the blue and silver of the desert night as the wind whistles past, trading stories with one another. Hollis pouring over scrolls, Masika squirreled away somewhere sprinkling powder and dust. I don't know what you do eight hours a day other than chant nonstop over this thing as Narmer just walks around in circles and blasts it with radiation. (laughs) Uh, That's what I'm assuming the crafting process is for you. Yeah, Sudi, finding these new people out here, new people to train, you know, fighting styles and so on and so forth. I imagine he goes sparring with the desert giants because, like, him being big and sparring with them would be an interesting, like, experience. Hassim, they're giving you, like, all sorts of uh, all sorts of tips about how to use your superior size to your advantage that you wouldn't get from talking to anyone, you know, your own size. And how often do you get to find friendly giants? Like, that's super cool. Yeah, just out here having a good time with them. The days blend together. Day after day passes. You know, Sudi continuing your training with the giants, continuing uh, you know, kind of your research here, getting to actually talk with some of your own people from time to time. I mean, there were cat folk, a small number of them, and Tefu also, but actually getting to talk to cat folk who live out here in the desert. I was going to say, we didn't exactly get time to socialize while we were in Tefu, to be fair. Not really, no. Getting a chance to connect a little bit with that side. They do grow quiet and evasive to the point that you probably stop bringing it up anytime that anything about a Black Fane or a Temple of Sekhmet is mentioned. Mm, fair enough. Outsider. Uh, although you do sometimes almost feel more than hear this, this sense that they're talking whenever you walk away. Like these hushed mm. whispers behind your back whenever you walk off. Uh, and they always stop talking when I approach. Rude. Yep, very rude. Masika, you're basically just buried in your tent magicking things up. Um, yeah, but she has her evenings free and some yeah. afternoon. I mean, if she wakes up and starts around seven, she's free by like three in the afternoon. You know, uh, I imagine you stop for lunch. Yeah. <laughs> Four in the yeah. afternoon then. <laughs> yeah. So you're working a nine to five. All right. Yeah. <laughs> and Hollis, you spend your time studying the scroll, researching the scroll. And uh, if our math is correct, then uh three days before the narrative continues, you have done enough research to attempt <laughs> to learn this scroll. I'm so scared. You will need to make a intelligence roll. It is a DC 21. Okay. Here we Can go. Can anybody buff my intelligence in any way? <laughs> uh, so aren't you already a, wearing you know, an intelligence buffing item? Just roots. I mean, I am. I was just wondering if there was some other awesome thing. No. Uh, Also, just so you aren't discouraged, once you reach that point, you can make the check to learn it again every six days. Okay. Okay. It's not like, oh, I have to start all over again. It's no, like once you do the initial research, it's then six days every time to, if you fail to keep researching it. Okay. I have a seven. So what do I have to roll to get a 21? 14 or 14. Oh, it's so high. (laughs) <laughs> oh, jeez. I'm very nervous. Narmer blasts nervous. you with radiation. I don't know if that'll help. I'm going to help. I'm helping. It doesn't help. I, oh. I rolled a six. I got a 13. Oh, no. Okay. Uh, so, hey, I've had time to study with Ka'at. Could she not, like, 
help me? I think she's going to give you a plus two at best. Let's be real. I mean, she she would maybe have been able to give you a plus two, although that wouldn't have adjusted this. And she also still has to, I don't know, lead her entire tribe with one of the three elders missing. So she doesn't really have a lot of time to spend helping you. Uh, but you can attempt to roll again. Uh, in six af- days, which would in be six the days, which would be ninth. three days after we start. Yeah, the ninth. But I suppose probably later that evening, all of you probably seeing you know, Hollis looking a little dejected around the fireplace. And Hollis is so- just sobbing into her hat in her tent. <laughs> oh my god! Six weeks wasted. Are you right? Uh huh. Are you sure? Because there's a lot of. Uh, Snot of crying going on. <laughs> I didn't learn my spell. Uh, Falto steps forward and pulls a kerchief out of his vest pocket and offers it over. I mean, this can't be the first time you've not learned a spell, right? But I need to talk to Merit Hatta. Well, can't you try again? Yeah, was it like, like a- six days? Sudi just looks very uncomfortable. Dealing with crying girls is not his strong suit. <laughs> didn't you? you Did you live in a temple full of women? Yeah, but they were happy. <laughs> Always. Happy were they? All of the time. <laughs> Falto sits down. Not not like touching you, just sits down next to you. Hollis, you are the most brilliant woman I have ever met. And that's counting Citra. Oh, thank you. Uh, hi. <laughs> Hollis doesn't say anything, but she's like, like, yeah, duh. Hey, I'm not dumb. <laughs> How smart are you? I have a 14 intelligence. Hollis's chicken is smarter than you. Oh! She didn't used to be, okay? Hollis loves you, but Hollis is like, I mean, you saying that's not the first time I've ever heard anybody tell me that. This is just a minor setback for you. <sighs> you know, when you fall off the horse, you have to get right back up on the horse. It's camel here, by the way. Get on the camel. You have horses. There are horses. He here. points over at a horse nearby. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, there are horses here too? Arabian Italians. Oh, that's right. Oh, I'm stupid. Uh, Sudi would be smart enough not to say that. <laughs> Jordan is, is putting words in Sudi's mouth to make him dumber. Oh. Oh. I believe you persevere and you keep trying and you'll get this right. You have <sighs> literally hundreds of years. Well, yeah, but it's not going to matter in hundreds of years because you all will be dead and whatever's about to happen is going to happen. But then you'd have this scroll that, from what I understand, would let you speak to us. <laughs> that You'll is true. You'll never be alone again. <laughs> that I will always have sugar, so that's true. Hmm. <laughs> I'll still be clucking around when the rest of you are dust. They don't understand me. <laughs> <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> no, nothing like hearing bok bok bok, and then you randomly start laughing. <laughs> it's true. I'm laughing like a crazy person. I'm hearing a chicken speak to, to be, me and to I'm To be laughing. fair, anybody who didn't realize you were a wizard would definitely think you were a little unhinged if the clicking yeah. of a chicken makes you laugh. All right, <laughs> here, hold on. She like digs in her bag and she hands Citra a scroll of freedom of movement. I don't know if Masika's here, but if Masika's here, she also hands Masika yeah, a scroll Masika's of movement. Masika's here because movement. she's still a little miffed at Falto for like backhanded insulting her while she was trying to make you feel better. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> did, did I do something wrong? Fulta just kind of looks curiously over towards Citra. I think uh, the implication is that you called the rest of us dumb. <laughs> I didn't take offense. I'm pretty sure we're all dumb in comparison. Well, yes, we are. And generally anyway, speaking, this... I assume that I'm the stupidest man in the room. <laughs> You're not wrong. Alice says nothing about that. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all are so mean. 
mean? He's a lovely man, but he is not smart. He's wise in a different kind of way. Anyway, these are scrolls of freedom of movement. You can cast them. I mean, Masika can cast it no problem because she should actually have access to that with her like, ooh, magic. But uh, Citra and I, we're going to have to like fool the scroll, but I think you can do that. Um just in case we need to be real slippery and something tries to grab us and eat us again because that seems to be a recurrent theme. Yeah, I don't really want to get ground up by another mechanical golem. So I'm going to hold on to some to a couple of scrolls. You each have one and that way, between all of us, we'll get us all slippery enough. We'll cast it on poor Sudi here if needed. I'd appreciate that. Are you sure you don't want to be just covered in eyes? Not right now. Alright. That would make me feel better. I am happy that you bought one of those. And she points to your golem bane scarab. Yeah, I think that's going to be essential because, let's be real, we fought a lot of golems. Like, a lot of them. I don't know how common they are, like, outside of Osirian, but a lot of them. Can I cover you in eyes? Not particularly. If it'll make you feel better. Excellent. Hollis casts countless eyes on Sudi because it makes her laugh. Sudi just looks very uncomfortable. (laughs) He, like, swings his tail around and there's just eyeballs on the tail. Now you can see real good. Um, Every time you use that spell, it's always disturbing. Mm. Hollis, Mm -hmm. I can't cast this. What? Oh, (laughs) no. That's not on your spell list? (laughs) (laughs) It is not. (laughs) You literally bought a scroll that nobody can cast natively? Eh. Sad. I I, I imagine you handed it to her and she and Narmer conferred for a second and then Narmer was like, nope, can't give you that one. Wait, (laughs) Narmer just like opens up his cord and it's like, oh, it's not glowing. Nope. (laughs) Do you have your magic device? Yeah. I'm a familiar. Uh Uh-huh. If I understand how familiars work, I should be able to just eat this and then give you the power. What? No. I, I read it in a book somewhere. I, I, what book? The core rule book? I, I made it up. But, but it makes sense. Does it, doesn't that make you a witch? <laughs> really. Witches, there are some kind of, they're kind of like, uh, they study, but also they have some intrinsic magic. They can do that sort of thing. Eat the spells. Or eat the scrolls. Yeah. Sorry, you have to be an alchemist, bard, cleric, druid, inquisitor, or ranger. Mm. Or... Well, I will hold on to it then. Or have the flowing subdomain or liberation or luck domain. Or be trained and use magic device. That's true. Nope. Give them all to Citra. Nope, I've got a huge magic device, so I will take the rest. Citra will have one just in case, and I will have the others, and we will still use them as needed. I like that Hollis probably gives the instructions, if I get grabbed, Citra, use that scroll. Otherwise, don't use that scroll. uh, She should be stabbed. I really do like the idea that she handed it to Hollis. Hollis kind of looked at it, held it up to Narmer. He flashed his radiation at it, and the scroll didn't glow, so they're like, nope. (laughs) Hollis is like, what are you again? (laughs) My, my <laughs> She's chest, like, I thought you were some sort of cleric or something. My chest beam is also UV light. <laughs> it detects UV magic. I mean, oh well. Also, also scorpions. He, he like shines it off to the corner. And you see this bright glowing scorpion skitter past. <laughs> if nothing else, I did learn myself a spell called Parchment Swarm. And if I tear up a scroll to cast it instead of just regular parchment, it gets to apply the effect of the scroll. So maybe I'll just sick a swarm on you and then you'll be free to, to move about the cabin, as it were. Magic is so weird. Magic is so great. Citra, let's talk about magic. Let's get you some more magic, honey. Do you have cabins here? 
We had cabins I mean, up I've north. Seen mostly a cabin log before. cabin, but okay. We mostly have log cabins up north. I mean, I've read a lot of books. Uh, so I suppose you all finish your weird conversation for the evening. Sudi has a bunch of eyes. Hollis always feels better when she gets distracted talking about magic. <laughs> so what happened to Ashmina? Oh yeah. No, Ashmina's still part of the caravan. Oh, okay, cool. She's more used to being back in civilization, so she's kind of traveling with Falto and all of them in the meantime. But apparently she's a, a rather decent cook and uh, rather good with camels, so she's just kind of picked up a role with the group. Well, Falto's still kind of keeping Falta. an eye Did on her. Did just but... refer to himself in the third person? Oh, I didn't think you were asking. I thought that was Heather because it no, didn't sound like she was talking asking, to Heather. Yeah. Oh, no, that was me asking, yeah. Masika doesn't have myself. time to go investigate with all of her crafting shenanigans. <laughs> I mean, she might have asked off screen and then Falto had been like, yeah, she's still hanging out. Okay, cool. Moving on. But <laughs> you know? no, as, as all of you finish up, begin to make your way back towards your your tents. I imagine Masika accompanying everyone before getting ready to split off on her own. Yep. You've had time to arrange your uh, your tents for those of you not sleeping in the wagon, which I think is just Hollis is sleeping in the wagon. Everyone else is staying in tents right now. Probably. Yep. Hollis loves the wagon. She's got Hollis, a crazy string. Hollis is too, is too cheap to buy a tent. <laughs> Hollis has a seventh level of Mage's Magnificent Mansion she's going to scribe when she can cast it. <laughs> but like Sudi set up his then, tent. she'll sleep here. Sudi set up his tent next to the uh, the wagon. Citra's staying in the tent with Falto and Masika's going back to her husband's tent. As you approach, you know, the camels are tied off towards the side. It forms kind of a semicircle as you begin to make your way closer uh, with a large rock set here in the center and a palm kind of providing some shade to it, although it's evening right now, so there's no real shade, just the darker shadows cast under the palm. A solitary figure sits under this as you begin to approach closer. Hmm. Once you make your way close enough, you can recognize the thin form of Cod. Seemingly just playing with a small scorpion, which skitters back and forth across her palm. Uh, okay, that's dangerous, but all right. She looks up curiously as all of you approach, picking up the scorpion by its tail, gently lifting it up before setting it down in the sand as it begins to make its way off into the desert. Good evening. Oh, evening, Kat. How are you? Wonderful. Masika raises an eyebrow. What's up? I just came to follow up on something. Uh, mm -hmm. what specifically? I simply wanted to check in before all of you made your way off, which I think will be soon. Hopefully. I'm going to be tied up for a little bit. Literally or figuratively? <laughs> she kind of just gives you a smile, shakes her head. Figuratively. Not that there's anything wrong with the alternative, if that's what you like. <laughs> ah, I like her. <laughs> what? What's going on? What you're embarking on will be very dangerous. You know this. Yes, I think yeah. we've all made peace with that at this point. My divinations are vague. Uncertain. Usually. I think you're passing beyond the range of anything that I could divine. It's too far out. But there will be danger. The little I can ascertain is that there will be danger from the least likely of directions. And that there may be safety in the least likely of allies. Well, that's ominous. And very sphinx-like in its delivery. Mostly just vague. She just kind of shrugs, kicking off of the stone and landing on the sand. Not much I can do for that. You had a question for me, Hollis. The only question I had for you is if you would be willing to perform that uh, ritual again. I will need all my strength soon. So once. And Ooh, just excellent. once. For whom should I perform it? She looks between the four of you. This is the ritual you've been trying to learn? Uh-huh. It's a powerful... What? 
summoning of spirit? It is something someday I hope to teach to Masika. It's one of the many complex rituals of the elders. But I saw your need was great. And Masika possesses divination powers that would already aid her much in this direction. Thanks to a certain someone. She reaches down and pats Narmer on the head. Ah, <laughs> <Aww>, cute. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an invaluable member of this party. You are. Masika picks Hooray. him up and gives him a hug. I complain that you're crushing me, but I don't breathe. <laughs> <laughs> we can engage in the ritual. In fact, I may need some assistance. I'm ready to assist. I forgot what the che- what are the checks for that, and can I would I be any good at them? I don't remember. I don't think I'm any good at them. Uh, so a person has to either uh, have knowledge religion, knowledge the planes, uh, or can attempt a diplomacy check. I think I was using my religion. My religion's only a five. I can my do religion. Twenty. I can use diplomacy at a fourteen. That's pretty good. What's your religion, Masika? Eleven. All right, I guess we're on diplomacy. I, or can you add more people to increase your bonuses? I don't know. Or is this a three-person only kind of a ritual? It's up to nine people, actually. Oh, sweet. Oh, so we can all contribute or not contribute, as the case may be in my case. <laughs> so would all of you like to accompany me? Sure. I certainly will. I mean, I've done this before, so I'm definitely open to doing it again. I don't know if I could be even help, but uh, you can use my tent. <laughs> Falto smiles. Falto's got to have some diplomacy. Oh, probably. Actually, I'm very diplomatic. <laughs> Well, there you go. Do you need me to charm a ghost? <laughs> maybe. Uh, Sudi just maybe? motions in a come with us kind of motion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sudi doesn't know how to explain what's about to happen. It's going to be trippy and weird, but he doesn't really have those words. Uh, maybe we should go grab Kelru and his ass. I like that we're just like, how many people can we throw at this who might be knowledgeable in these areas? It depends on who we want to know the secrets that we're about to learn. And then I That's think true. no to Kelrun Azaz because he probably still answers to a certain Hatia. Yep, I thought so she was your friend now. Uh, friend mm. in a frenemy sort of way. In a you're not allowed in her city anymore kind of way? It's true. Uh, none of us are. As in, not I like her. Me. She's like a spitfire, but she also probably wouldn't hesitate to crush us. Yes. We didn't leave on the best of terms when we left Tefu. We didn't meet on the best of terms either. Mm -hmm. That's true. Anyway, I I say, I say we're good. This, this is a good amount of people, right? This should be enough. Come on. It will be fun. Mm -hmm. She gestures for all of you to follow. Like actual fun or, um. Oh, when she has this, when she has this tone of voice, it's more terrifying fun. Oh. Do you ever hear a sound what? in the middle of the night and you can't tell where it came from and then you lay awake in bed and imagine all the things it could be? Mm-hmm. Kind of that sort of fun. Yeah, that's yeah. that's not fun. That's That's been my life for the last five months. I like being scared sometimes. Caught shrugs. Sometimes it's fine, but it's been often. I mean, it didn't need to stay awake all that time because Norma and I were on watch for most of the night, every night. <laughs> And Narmer was on watch for like two hours every night while I was asleep. That's true. I'm always watching. That's creepy. And now he's even better at it thanks to magic. Magic does solve every problem. It sometimes causes quite a few too. Narmer reaches up and tugs on Masika's sleeve. Yeah. Masika. Uh-huh. Lean down here. She she leans down. Sometimes I scratch at the edge of their tents while they're sleeping. Masika, bur- <laughs> Masika bursts out laughing. Oh, I don't even want to know. There's a really good knock-knock joke. <laughs> I doubt mm-hmm. that. Shh. Anyway, let's How get started. How high my bluff? Um, no. So you, 
You make your way into the tent. Make yourselves comfortable. There's a 60 minute ramp up to this casting. <laughs> it takes a little while. Uh, uh, I was imagining up, the like, uh, what, what is it, the THX thing where it's like, yep, <laughs> like sixty minutes of that. Oh my god, no, <laughs> that'd be terrible. She didn't say it was going to be fun, so that sounds she like she did not say fun. it was going to be fun. Well, she said that in a way that was not fun. You settle in. She lights brazers of incense. The ritual takes place just as Sudi and. Hollis had seen it before, but this time there's more of you. She sits between the two incense burners, links hands with the rest of you. Sudi, then Hollis. Next to Hollis, Masika, next to Masika. Citra, next to Citra Falto. As the five of you sit arrayed in a circle. Six of you, counting Darmer. Seven of you, with uh, Sugar sugar (laughs) sitting in Hollis's lap, clucking and watching curiously. Mm -hmm. Take notes! The room seems to fill with this haze. Somehow this incense almost gives off more smoke than it does scent. Just sending these small billowing clouds wafting around all of you. You settle in. She focuses. Mechanically, what you may do. If you wish to be a secondary caster. Which is, I think, all of us. Yes. Um, Any of you that wish to attempt it may attempt a diplomacy check, a knowledge religion check, or a knowledge the planes check. Okay. This is against a very high DC, not to aid another, but attempt to succeed on the casting yourself. Okay, so not going to be doing that. You may, however, also just choose to remain a secondary caster and grant a plus one bonus. Well, what's the DC check to be a primary caster? Here, uh, what what is your, uh, what would you roll? Religion. What is your religion modifier? 11. It would be mechanically impossible for you to succeed. Okay. Wow. What about with a modifier for planes of a 20? You'd have less than a 50% chance, but it's within the realm of possibility. Hmm. I'll be giving that passive plus one. Yeah, so, I mean, I can't. I want to roll as a secondary caster. That way she's the primary and then there's a secondary in case she rolls badly or whatever. Can the familiars help? Technically, yeah. Wait, oh, wait, then let me sugar in your helps. circle. Sugar settles in next to Hollis, extends a wing up towards her. Oh, Narmer I must say before we begin this, this is a little ridiculous. But I'm it happy is, to help. It is, but I mean, magic's like that sometimes, you know. Here you are, Masika. Take my wing. You can't understand me. She flaps away in Masika's direction. Yeah, I, I, I take it and then take Narmer's flipper in the other hand and he does aid. <laughs> I'm so happy to be a part of this shit. Take my hand. <laughs> Sudi is very glad he is not in this weird chain of familiar (laughs) master, familiar master. I was going to say, Citra bites her lip to not laugh, but she takes his flipper. (laughs) We should have put Narmer next to Sugar. That way they could have held hands. (laughs) Uh, How? One's a flipper, one's a wing. They just touch. It's cute. I don't know if it's going to help, but I'm going to open my chest plate too. (laughs) Just for a little illumination. (laughs) Set a little strobe light. You settle in. After about an hour has passed, all of you almost have this this floating sensation. The tent, the floor in the tent is gone. You just see a little chicken head poking up out of the mist <laughs> next to Hollis as this smoke has just suffused it. You feel like you're floating on this cloud. There's something there's something in this incense that makes you feel lighter, almost buoyant. You can feel that you're sitting on the floor, on this hard-packed sand. You can feel yourself surrounded by... But there's this odd sensation like you have when you're floating in water. 
that you can feel the hard surface beneath you, but you can also feel this buoyancy lifting you up from around your chest, almost to the point that it makes you feel like you could just shift your weight and then float up to your feet. Hollis, if you wish to go ahead and make me a Nolds the Plains. Okay. All right. I rolled a, I rolled a 17 for a 37. Hey, not bad. Not bad at all. It's over 50%, so maybe we'll see. So, Hollis, first off, you do succeed. Aha! Hey! So does Kaat. Excellent. Do you wish to allow the spirit to enter her, or do you wish the spirit to enter into you? Bear in mind, you cannot ask questions if the spirit's in you. Yeah, it's going to have to be her. <laughs> Kaat stares forward. You hear her beginning to, to mumble, to whisper, Merit Hetef, Merit Hetef, Merit Hetef, Merit Hetef, Merit Hetef, Merit Hetef. She takes in a sharp intake of breath. The room shifts and suddenly becomes cold to the point that each exhalation of breath causes a small cloud to appear before you. Her hand grips tight onto Hollis's. Hollis, judging by Falto's kind of start, you can tell that his hand is probably being gripped just as hard on the opposite side from you. Her eyes then open but are vacant. I'm back. It is only temporary, friend. Merit, what happened that day 40, in 4707, the night that Sarathet went missing and you went missing as well? I was in the temple. It was late. Sarathet came to me, wearing a golden mask, speaking of the glory of the Sky Pharaoh and the cult that would bring about his imminent return. I saw my opportunity. I seized it. Sarathet was something new. Something more. No, no, something else. Something less and something more than she was. She, my friend, was different. She had drive and ambition. And gods, what power. This is what I had waited for, yearned for, bled for. I needed little convincing to go. Do you know where Sarathet might be now? What's the plan? I guess that's the question, right? What's the plan? What is Sarathet's plan? An interesting question. When she is Sarathet, she is afraid and confused. She wishes knowledge. And when she is the thing that is not Sarathet, what is her plan? The forgotten Pharaoh seeks mm -hmm. only one thing, to be made whole and live again. Why do they want the body of Chisisek? Chisisek knows how to find the tomb of the Sky Pharaoh. When last you were alive, did the Forgotten Pharaoh or Sarathet have a desert tribal elder named named Nima? No, not anymore. Masika starts to say something, but then quickly closes her mouth because of the ritual. I mean, technically, anyone can ask the question, but yeah. <laughs> anyway, what do you mean not anymore? They had her once. But she broke her bonds. Hmm. All right. I think I have four more questions. Is there anything you else do. that yeah, four more. is story relevant that I'm not thinking about asking? Where is uh, this Sarah Het? Do we know where she is? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, where would the Forgotten Pharaoh or Sarah that have taken Chisisek? The sightless Sphinx, deep in the desert. Why take the architect to the sightless Sphinx? So that the Pharaoh may speak with him. What's special about the location of the Sightless Sphinx? There's a long pause from the spirit. 
In the grand scheme of things, nothing. Can I sense motive the spirit? <laughs> Technically, if you want to. <laughs> I know. You know what? I'll try it too. Okay. Mm, I roll an 11 for a 21. I roll a 19 for a 26. I roll a 5, which gets me a 13. Oh. I roll a 15 for a 29. She's evading, probably. Hollis, you can tell that that was an odd response. Sudi, Citra, you can both kind of tell that you're not entirely positive why the spirit is being evasive, but it is. It did answer the question. The question being, what's special about the sightless sphinx, of which technically in the grand scheme of things, nothing. Maybe we ask her why it's important to the Sky Pharaoh. I was going to save my last question to be selfish, but I guess I will ask this question instead. That's up to you. Oh, Merit. Uh, you know that I meant what makes that location, the, the location of the Sightless Sphinx, special or important to the Forgotten Pharaoh. Serethet knew of the Sightless Sphinx and had wished to explore it herself. The Sky Pharaoh seems to possess much of the memories and knowledge that Serethet does. There's a long pause. This is conjecture, of course. What is within Serethet? The forgotten pharaoh is not whole. It is fractured. It is pieces of a mural missing large segments. Segments it takes from Serethet to fill. You have made a fundamental mistake, my friend. What's that? They are not two people. There's the sky pharaoh. There is Serethet. And together, there is the forgotten pharaoh. Well, puzzles can be undone. Blood once mixed into water, cannot be separated. Not with that attitude. <laughs> Hollis. Hmm. The air grows slightly warmer as the ritual ends. I want you to succeed. I do too. Rest peacefully, friend. Cut coughs. Whew. Chilly. If I'm reading that right, the implication was that there is no difference between Serethet and the Forgotten Pharaoh, right? No, the difference is that Serethet has been mashed into the Sky Pharaoh to create a Forgotten Pharaoh, which means essentially it's like taking a million-piece puzzle set, doing the puzzle, gluing it together, and then trying to take it back apart to separate them. Not necessarily impossible, but not at all easy. You're talking about artifact-level magic, though. That's not going to be easy. Sugar looks nervously up towards Hollis. It's like you've taken an egg and baked it into a cake. You can't mm -hmm. get the egg back. Yeah, well, you can surely try. I mean, with a powerful enough magic, you could turn the cake into an egg. Mm -hmm. But it's not the oh, same. Oh, you can turn time well, I can't back understand. on the Never mind. You can't understand me. <laughs> <laughs> you can turn the time back and then, you know, essentially, like, re-undo it. I don't know. We'll figure it out. There's magics that men do not know yet. Or once knew and have forgotten. I was about to say, I'm pretty sure that's how we got in this problem to begin with. Oh, well, yeah. As a side note, everyone is exhausted. Oh, yeah. Sweet. <laughs> You've cool. also all gained a negative tempering level. <laughs> what? Yep, hey. that's what happens. Yep. Welcome to, welcome what? to how this what uh, spell nice? works. That's what happened to me last time. You yeah. remember I, I was so was tired you, and like, grumpy? failed or something. Oh, no, that's if you succeed. Oh, you don't no, want to know what yeah, happens that, if you it's fail. It's worse if you fail. It's a lot worse if you fail. Um, I think we're all missing the point that the forgotten pharaoh is at the faceless sphinx. Yep. Sightless. Because Sarah that wanted to go there. That's so Why funny. did she want to go there? 
Sarathet was an archaeologist. She wanted to find things that had never been found before, learn secrets that weren't known. And if you think about it, if you want to find a place to set up shop where nobody around here is going to go, it's a pretty good place when there's literal stories of not going to the place because there's something wrong with it. But it does sound like your mentor got free. Something uh, must have happened because she would have come back. She could be lost. It's unlikely that she'd be lost. She still has magic comparable exceeding mine. And I could easily have used numerous spells to find my way back here. There are very few reasons I can think of that Nemo would still be out there. Trying to stop it? Either she's trying to protect the tribe by trying to stop it, or she's trying to protect others. Well, it's still a good thing that she was able to break our bonds. That means we have a chance of finding her. She nods, makes her way over, squeezes Masika's hands. You'll bring her back, won't you? Of course. Good enough for me. Okay, she stands up, stretches her arms over her head, lets out a big yawn. All yeah, right. I'm that going, takes a lot I'm, out of me. I'm going to bed too. Come on, Narmer. Uh-huh. I'm immune to fatigue. <laughs> oh, well, good for you. Oh, sure, I think oh, I'm immune to the negative levels too. I, I can do this forever. <laughs> you should've just had Narmer be the only one in there. Ow. Ow. If Mashika builds me a buddy, and then that buddy can learn magic, then we could just do this ritual anytime we wanted. I'll I work on it, Narmer. I think it, it a Narmer. little bit more than that. Okay. Just because you're so tired, I'm not going to ride you. Oh, God. <laughs> Even Sudi's sleepy. There's soft crying from Hollis's uh, wagon for a little bit, and then she sleeps. Sudi's going to choose to let it slide this time. <laughs> She's closed the wagon door, and if you tried to come and talk to her, she'd be like, go away, I'm sleepy. The only reason Sudi is going in there is if this mask decides it wants to tell him a story. And by wagon door, she means the flap, because again, yeah, this flap. is like one of those Oregon wagon, <laughs> the Oregon trail wagons, basically. <laughs> so yeah, you all rest up for the evening with more food to, for thought there. Mm-hmm. Awaken the following morning. So anyone that wishes to may. So yeah, everyone needs to make a uh, fortitude save DC 20. <laughs> Oof. Oh, yeah, I rolled a 12. Oh, this is for negative levels. Do I get my plus two bonus for living monolith for that? Yep, it's negative levels. Sweet. I rolled a a 12 for an 18. (laughs) I roll a 12 for a 25. Sugar rolls a 19 for a 22. (laughs) I I roll an 18 for a 25. Narber, the little little twerp, is immune. I roll a 16 for a 24. Okay, so I think Hollis still is the only one with the negative level. Hollis (laughs) finds Masika in the morning and looks super hungover and is like, help me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Although to get rid of that Isn't that restoration yeah, at that point? Yeah, Masika cast restoration Which is also the one that has the gold piece cost I think it's a thousand yep. gold Or is it a hundred? It's one of those two Well, I have I have some gold So it depends I need to know the cost Okay, if it's permanent it's a thousand If it's temporary it's a hundred Oh Also keep oh, in mind that this is temporary it. So you can still do two more rolls before we start To see if you can roll high enough to overcome this It's it, Felling it doesn't make it permanent It's still temporary Oh, well Okay, I can roll again then. Do it. Oh, okay. I roll a 15 for a 21. There she goes. So I'm sleepy for another day and then I shake it off, I guess. So the next three days pass. You... Two days. Yeah, two days. We're leaving on the 6th, so that happened on the 3rd. You gather your gear. uh, Prepare yourselves. Brand new armor, weapons, so on and so forth. 
We're going in style and Hollis cast Phantom Chariot. Aren't we traveling with the caravan? I thought we were going different direction. I suppose all well, the following morning, all of you meet up, gather together outside of the tents, pack up your gear after having spent almost three weeks here, loaded up into your wagon, attach the camels. Hollis still, uh, I suppose, revitalized, digging back through her scrolls again. Sudi getting the camels already, giving a fist bump to uh, Asen. Asen petting Masika on the head as she makes her way over <laughs> in her bright, shiny new armor. Yep. Falto takes uh, Citra off to the side. Well, I believe you're heading west and uh, we're heading north. You know you didn't have to wait for us. I know, but I'd like to see you out there. And I figure this way, we're both out at the desert at the same time. And we can use uh, Masika as like a carrier pigeon. If we need to talk to each other or anything like that. That's true. <laughs> Is it just so. Falto's mission to, like, make my characters grumpy with him? <laughs> <laughs> well. no. You be careful out there, and if you get into any trouble, try to get word to me somehow, and stay safe, and I hope you find your answers. I hope so, too. And uh, if push comes to shove, we found a... Uh, a priest here that has a, uh, a sending scroll of her own. So I can have Kelru use that and reach out to all of you. And then uh, if we find anything, a particular note or interest, I know oh, there yeah. might be something that Sudi's going to be interested out there. So, so well, he bows deeply at the waist, takes your hand, kisses the back of it. She smirks because it's still a weird custom to her. <laughs> You'll be safe. You too. And once you found where you're going, once I found where I'm going... We can let one another know. Sounds like a plan. Okay. Uh, yep, I'm not good at goodbyes, so... Uh, <laughs> she gives him a hug, kisses his cheek, and then wanders off. <laughs> and Hollis is over here, like, telling you all the cool stuff that her phantom chariot can do and why it's awesome and it can airwalk and blah, 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 whatever. Yeah, I mean, Masika and so Sharon Narmer would be off to the side. You, you, you gonna say anything or are you just gonna look grumpy? She pokes at him. Be safe. I'm always safe. Ask Narmer. Yep. Always. 100% of the time, 70% of the time. Sense motive. <laughs> That's probably an overestimation. 65% of the time. You're We're so pretty perfect. safe. There was the shank cracking. That wasn't so safe. Oh, Narmer. and also there was the, oh, yeah, there's the giant. They Narmer. tried to kill us. He was our buddy, but then we got him back Narmer. as our buddy again. You're yep. supposed to be helping. I'm helping. Okay. Just, just not you. <laughs> <laughs> Don't take any unnecessary risks. Uh, okay, what, what's qualified as unnecessary? A risk that does not get you a step closer to rescuing our elder. All right, I will take that under advisement. <laughs> mm. Don't oomph me. How much longer are you going to be here? The elders will decide when we leave. They haven't said anything yet? No. Well, I'll keep contact with magic. Hmm. And unless you'd rather I not check in. Use your magic as you think is best fit. If you need that magic to fight or heal, don't concern yourself over my thoughts. She pouts a little and then Ever holds the her romantic. arms up like a kid who wants to be picked up. <laughs> <laughs> picks you up. And it's like, I never get smug around. <laughs> Every once in a while, I just want to be lifted up in the air and just 
Someone run around with me over their heads like I'm flying. Go ask Sudi. You already can fly. <laughs> <laughs> he goes over and asks Sudi that, and Sudi's like, can't you already fly? I'm not doing that. <laughs> it's not the same, Sudi. <laughs> he just walks over. He's like, you and me, Sudi, and Hollis. Three lone wolves out here. Well, I guess we're not lone wolves because we're all together. But we're you know what I mean. We're a pack. Yeah, we're like a pack, but you know. Single, Sh- but a Shudi and I, yeah, we're, we're single. We're just... Although Sudi has a girlfriend, I thought. I do have a girlfriend back in Wati. You wrote her oh. recently? My girlfriend in Wati. My girlfriend who lives in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> hey, she's real. We saw her in book one. <laughs> we haven't seen her since book two, but you know. Just just me and Hollis. Sudi probably found somebody going to Wati and like found a way to get a message to her. But let's be real. There's not exactly the Pony Express out here in the middle of nowhere. We have all sorts of magic to send messages. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sudi doesn't think of magic first. Obviously. Hollis understands me. Mm-hmm. We're just out here. Two practically immortal beings. Living our best lives. You know, I think I think everything's going to work out great. I think mm-hmm. this is all going to be wonderful. We're going to get there, and then we're going to win. It's not going to be any problems. Hmm. I have a good feeling about this. I appreciate your optimism about that. What could go wrong? Oh, don't say that. That's how you jinx it. Go find some wood and knock on it right now. Hey, Masika. Masika is busy. Shisha says I have witch powers. What? And jinx people. <laughs> Masika, like, lets go of hugging her husband and turns back. What? <laughs> I have witch powers now. She'll give me the scroll and I'm going to eat it. <sighs> and then I'll absorb its magic power. I, I have Masika a scroll, but that's fine. Gives her oh, husband okay. a kiss. All right. So, yeah, I, I probably need all the luck I can get. See you soon. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Narmer, you're not a witch, she yells as she starts to approach the rest of the party. <laughs> After 10 minutes, my cool chariot appears. It takes 10 uh. minutes to cast. I'm not a witch so, yet. So all this goes on and you're just like, you're just like, it's going to be so cool, guys. And then you start casting and we just immediately don't see anything happen within six seconds and assume the spell failed. <laughs> I'm doing magic. There's like glyphs and stuff. I guess. I Literal horses and chariot are appearing out of thin air. Wait, guys, it's going to be really cool. Just keep waiting. Takes 10 minutes. So why keep do waiting. you think you're a witch? I have jinx powers. Since when? I mean, Sister just told me. I'm just waiting for I'm just waiting for my familiar to get his powers and you can give it to me. What would your familiar be if you're my familiar? It's her he, rock. Obviously. He pops open his chest cavity and pulls out a scorpion. I've been keeping him for a couple of days. <laughs> I figure if I bathe him in enough light, he'll be like he'll be super powered. Have you okay. been feeding him? Oh, that's something you people do, isn't it? Yes! Oh, he's probably, probably really hungry. Starving. Let him go immediately! What does he eat? Bugs! Uh, Come on, little buddy, let's go find some bugs. <laughs> I rolled a two for a 16 on a nature. I think scorpions eat bugs. <laughs> uh-huh. So, pretty sure so he bugs. Like, turns back over to Hollis as she's chanting and toning. On the plus side, maybe he'll stop bringing me rocks if he has a pet scorpion. On the plus side, I think sugar eats scorpions. I am an omnivore. Chickens eat anything. But that's not a scorpion. It's a scorpion. It's just a bug. Scorpions eat insects, spiders, other scorpions, and lizards. They also eat small mammals such as mice. Oh. 
They can survive for months without food, so a couple days in Narmer's chest cavity, probably okay. I was going to say, scorpions (laughs) live in the desert, and they don't eat a lot. Vermin are mindless. They're not like having a puppy or a chicken or whatnot. That's true. Tell that to Azaz. Mm -hmm. I would, but... Uh, he's already so sad. I mean, he only knows like second level spells. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing he's pretty because I, I get why. Well, I mean, I guess he's pretty. I don't know. I was just like, wait, he's not a sorcerer. He's actually but, a uh, wizard. But after 10 minutes oh. of chanting and intoning, a, uh, a magical chariot somehow appears. Somehow speaking during your chanting and intoning. Part of my spell casting is throwing shade at other casters, okay? <laughs> <laughs> what a unique the magic. The vibe of chariot owners. I didn't realize you were in an anime and this was you like building up power. <laughs> I suppose the uh, the party gathered themselves together. Hollis leaps atop her chariot. Um, I, I think certainly made Sudi the driver. I see. Sudi's already got a wagon to drive, doesn't he? Well, taking this one, it's faster. Also, I designated you the driver, so you gotta drive it. It won't drive for nobody else. What about my camels? And their supplies. It's got, like, pockets and stuff. I imagine this thing, because when you say summoning a chariot, I'm imagining, like, a Roman it, chariot. It carries six people. It's not like a little tiny chariot. But where do all does all of our stuff live? I mean... Nobody bought a portable hole, so, you know... Can we just attach our wagon to the back angrily. of it? Jess is looking at me like, why are you ruining my fun? I spend money on this scroll. Where are the six people sitting in the phantom chariot if it's a tiny chariot? It's a big fan. It's a, it's a four well, they, horse they chariot. Sit. It's it, you stand. Yeah. Hmm. We can ride this one into battle. How does that feel? I'm never casting spells on you again. She hugs and sits down across <laughs> her arms. I mean, as long as it's not the prying eyes and I'm fine with that. I cast nah spells on you too. <laughs> Displacement. Sudi is no longer considered an ally for haste spells. Lack haste. So Lack telekinetic charge. I suppose, you know, Sudi hops up, grabs the reins of the chariot. Uh, Hollis in a huff sits down on the back of the chariot with her feet dangling over the back, folds her arms. Her chicken tries to console her. So I'm still taking my camels, but I'm going to cast uh, Nature's Path on them, which lets them treat the sand like it's a trail or a road so they'll be able to keep up with the chariot yeah that works can Yay. you use the nature's path on honor and victory I can, no, no, I, can af- I can affect up to uh, one creature per caster level oh so I mean you could still take honor and victory with you yeah so if we wanted extra I- camels for some like pack purposes and things like that I mean but do we want to deal with the hassle if we can just... Okay, here, the here's the real question. How long do we think we're going to be in the desert? We don't know. Like, we have no idea how long, far away this sightless sphinx is? We're going to a temple, and then we're going north. And yeah. literally, everyone just says it's north. Uh-huh. Great. Well, okay then. I mean, we can bring the camels, because that way, if I die, I'll have something to ride on. That's a fair point. Not I mean, that we're it, planning for your death, but it is a contingency. If yeah. it helps, you have an idea that the uh, the Temple of Serum Ray is approximately 60 miles north and west across the open desert. And with with all the buffs and stuff, how fast will we travel? I uh, believe... As if we're on a road. So I guess normal distance is about 24 miles per day. Okay, so it'd be like three days-ish out there, and then who knows how many days north. So we're taking the camels, we're casting fastness on them, we're taking the chariot. Yes. Okay. Are we taking all four camels? Are we taking honor and victory? We're taking all the camels. Okay. 
Just in case I die or we get real hungry and you die. We need to eat something. I guess we'll eat camel. Oh. I've got 35 days of trail rations. I don't know. I'm just saying. We'll be okay. I don't eat a lot. You don't eat a lot. I hope you like rice. Okay, it's all so leaving the wagon rice. behind, mm-hmm. taking the camels, loading up, I suppose. Are you writing honor or victory, Rachel? I don't remember which one mine was. Well, on yours victory. died, you inherited the other one. They're both yours now. Why do you have to make it sad? <laughs> sad, man. Oh, well, if that's the case, then I prob- victory is probably mine. Okay. So you load up honor with all of your trail rations. All the rest of that good stuff, you set off. You uh, you have a long debate pertaining towards the necessity of magical things and then casting magic on your other animals and just make sure that the travel over land spell that Masika has lasts for at least 10 hours. Lasts for an hour per caster level. So does Fair mine. Enough. So they last for the nice. same length. So uh, all of you mount up, turn your back on the Merchant's Oasis, ride off, looking back over your shoulder, you see this this line of people as Azaz stands there grumpily, Kelru waving towards all of you, Balto standing up on a crate so he can wave and for as long as he can, uh, still dwarfed by the, the tall, towering figure of Hassan, who waves back. Masika's husband, like this whole array of people line up to wave as all of you disappear off into the distance. Hollis waves her hat. The sun rising ahead of all of you. That's not actually true. The sun would be behind you. Uh, said you're heading west. <laughs> you waited through. You, you debated that spell the entirety of the day, and you're riding off into the sunset. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, you set off into the desert, off for adventure, seeking the sightless sphinx, seeking seeking the lost friend. Now confirmed, mm-hmm. seeking the lost friend of Hollis and Merit Hetef. And we'll pick it up here next time. Okay. Episode is heavy. Super heavy with plot. Heavy episode with plot and debate over space. Lots of debate over space. Find the Path Ventures is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Mummy's Mask is copyright 2014. Mummy's Mask and the Pathfinder Adventure Path are trademarks of Paizo. All Pathfinder images are property of Paizo and are used with permission.